You're listening to the History Bridge Network. Letters from My Old Man, hosted by Lawrence Sanji. February 10th, 1945. My dearest Mike, learned at a late moment that hell's a poppin would be offered as entertainment tonight so i rushed off with a few fellow officers to see what i could see to begin with part of the idea of attending these outdoor shows is to bring your own seat so i stood through the whole show it lasted for about an hour and a half and it was only fair no celebrities to speak of and from where i was standing most of the chatter was inaudible and some of the jokes I did hear were told back in the Civil War. For once, Tojo didn't spoil the evening. The show went right on through, and the stage was lit up like a Christmas tree. It was a burlesque-type show with a chorus of seven, then a skit and then a singer to replace the gypsy-esque performance. Believe me, I never thought it was in me, but it was. When the curtains parted and the chorus first came out into view, I let go of a wolf yell. So did a thousand others. That's bad. Beyond looking, I never did much more. But after listening to myself, ow, love Mike. A wolf yell. Oh, we all know what that is. Woo-hoo. Imagine a thousand men giving a wolf yell when the curtains open for a burlesque show. But that's how these men grew up. In Hudson County, Essex County, northern New Jersey, there were burlesque theaters in Jersey City and Newark, and they were always, always busy. Lots of double entendres, lots of dancing girls. And out in the South Pacific, sometimes they weren't necessarily dancing girls, but soldiers who had an ability to act and dance. He points out there were no real celebrities. Well, there were no big movie stars there. These were USO traveling tours. And anything to entertain the men on their downtime, anything to keep their spirits, someone would sing, a couple would come dance, and maybe some offbeat comedian would tell a joke or two. Think about Bob Hope. Imagine a junior version of Bob Hope, and that's what these USO shows were like. In fact, on one episode of the television show mash it was all about a uso group coming through the 4077 and they weren't particularly talented and they weren't famous but everybody just enjoyed being entertained and that's what he's talking about a wolf yell thursday march 1st 1945. my dearest mike at her first feeding 6 p.m Michaelin absolutely refused point-blank to taste her homogenized milk. She clenched her lips so tightly I couldn't part them. It wasn't until 11 o'clock the next morning that she finally drank the four ounces in approximately three-quarters of an hour. After that, first intake, she has been wonderful, and tonight drank almost a complete bottle of eight ounces. At seven this morning, she had four ounces and at 8.30 consumed her cod liver oil and undiluted orange juice. But a half hour later, it all came up. The milk was curdled, and although she made a horrible grimace, she suffered no ill effects. 
Mickey looks so strange struggling with an eight ounce milk bottle. I feel ever so much better today for that continual dull ache or pain has subsided considerably. My breasts are still bound as lightly as can be and will be so until my milk completely disappears. Now watch me gain weight. We will be compelled to acquire twin beds, not for style and beauty, but for comfort's sake alone. Your February 10th and 12th letters arrived this morning, plus the Army hit kit of popular songs this afternoon. The latter contains all the popular rating tunes. Thanks. My husband giving out with wolf yells. Wish I could have heard you. Only goes to show you that you are still very much alive and none the worse from all you have been through. And that is good news. The lapsidarian insisted on labeling the white topazes as white sapphires. Regardless, a sapphire is classified as a precious stone next in hardness to the diamond. Jewelers often refer to emeralds, rubies, and oriental topazes as green sapphires, red sapphires, and yellow sapphires, just one of their commercial traits. My darling, my lord and master, I shall do as commanded regarding the settings for my pendant, earrings, and ring. You are ever so wonderful to me, Mike. And when I write about being lonely, it's not because I think myself worse off than the next person. I know how fortunate I am in every, just every respect. But it's because I love you so much. And when a person loves someone that much, he just can't help but feel lonely without his mate. I didn't write yesterday, but the day before wrote a V letter. Just in case it is delayed, a repetition, I received your second treasury check for $50 was very surprised to learn that the small package containing your P-51 ink arrived. I mailed it in July of 1944, and that box containing the tan shorts in September. Probably that last Christmas box will be delivered on the 4th of July. Today marks a year that you left for California. Always your mics. February 12th, 1945. My dearest Mike, no letter writing yesterday, one of those things. Received two of your V-mails from January 18th and January 23rd. The latter dated one discussed the appraisal of gems. The large yellow topaz, according to the lapidarian, is worth approximately $200. Embellished with gold setting and chain, the value should jump to between four and 500. It cost me $54 in change. Two, his appraisal was commercial. That is what the jeweler or gem merchant would buy it for. The civilian purchaser usually pays twice the stock value when it is mounted or placed in a setting. You mentioned that the white sapphires were appraised at $5 per carat. Didn't you mean white topaz? In any event, the American value exceeds by three and four times my purchase price. So you have a small fortune in gems. I have met a few individuals who wore a cat's eye ring. In my opinion, they were of mediocre quality. Yet they told me that they cost between $100 and $250. Complete ring. All three of my cat's eyes cost me not quite $20. And I think they're beauties. With spring not too far away, I expect you'll be visiting Miller. And when you do, here is the first order I'm giving you to carry out. I want the large yellow topaz in a setting with gold chain attached. 
the two matching white topaz made into earrings and the two carat white topaz set in a ring. These things you will do or else, or else what? Love, Mike. You'll hear often speaking of jewels and settings and topaz and sapphires. At this point in the writing, in February 1945, my father is already in Leyte in the Philippines. But he acquired these stones and kept them with him when he was initially in Sydney and Melbourne, Australia. On his free time, he would go into town and visit gemologists. Now, one word that we used in the letter is a lapidarian. It's a bit outdated. We might call that person a gemologist today. I've never seen any of these gems in my life. Although I think I did. I know my oldest niece of all the grandchildren, my mother had jewelry made, and I know she has those. So she has all the opals and topaz. But there was one stone I saw. My father had a gold graduation ring from Rutgers University. And later in life, much later in life, he went to Jim Jensen Jewelers and he had a silver cat's eye ring put in that graduation ring, which he wore proudly. My niece owns that ring and she says it is a double star sapphire. And on the night my father passed away, she took the ring and looked at it and she said that's one of the only times she ever saw a double star shine in that stone. That's all for today. And when we return, we will read some of my father's letters concerning his transfer from his black unit to a headquarters unit, building his new quarters, sending checks to my mother, motherhood, and what's going on with Rosalie and cousin Mike. You've been listening to Letters from My Old Man, hosted by Lawrence Sanji. Veronica's letters read by Trish Wiskowski, produced by Jason Rood, and distributed by History Bridge Productions. For more information, check out historybridge.net. That's historybridge.net.